0: beer and a movie the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity beer and movies sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths i am one of your three hosts my name is dave gurney i am here with my name is joe hilliard and carlos cooper hey guys yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> um, we're here to drink beer and talk movies, and actually we've already kind of started drinking beer uh, for this recording session. Um, if, if you're at all interested in that, um, we, we actually kind of recorded a mini episode, which rarely happens. This is only our second kind of mini episode that we've ever done, and, and that one's more focused on beer, where we were tasting a couple recent... Uh, entries into this Black is Beautiful campaign that we've talked about a little bit on the show before. So if, if you're interested in that, please listen to that mini episode um, whenever that drops, whether it has already dropped or, or if it comes. But today we're, we're talking about um, uh, a couple, well, one very recent film, um, one from a few years back, High Concept, um, um, some strange stuff going on. the The first film of those two takes place partially in a desert, so Joe thought we had a nice connection here with this uh, beer from Braxton Labs. Uh, they are out of Kentucky. Um, I didn't see the, the city. Where is the city, or uh, it's not Louisville, is it? It is just Kentucky. They have brewed in Kentucky. Um, we'll go with that. It is a cream. Newport. Ale- okay, thank you. It is a cream ale with strawberry puree, vanilla, and cinnamon. <laughs> It is called Strawberry Shortcake, and it is part of their desert series.
1: I think it's you meant dessert a-
2: series. It's oh, Joe, you fucked up. This- no, no, I didn't fuck up. Carlos fucked see? up. It's the desert oh, series. Okay. It's the dessert series, but if you look at it after you've had a couple of them, it's the <laughs> desert series. And, we and that to- makes it apropos in at least. for our first film that we're going to do today. But you're talking a lot of flavors here, David. Cinnamon, strawberry, vanilla. I can't wait to get... Uh, this inside my tummy, yeah. taking a, a whiff. It's got a big old head on a lot of carbonation. Yeah, it does. It's interesting. So it's a cream ale. It's 4.4%. So it's kind of on no. the lighter end of things. I know the answer, but what is a cream ale?
1: Do you know the answer? Because I've, I've looked it up a lot of times and I still don't fully
2: understand. I think that they drop a creamsicle in it. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm I'm going to sure. make a
1: much more inappropriate joke than that.
2: Well, hey, it might be appropriate given the first film that we intend on discussing. But uh, no, I mean, I I have looked it up, too. It's just an American style of beer. It's been around for since the mid-1800s, but it doesn't tell you a lot about what differentiates it from any other style outside of the fact that it's light in color and well attenuated. And you guys both know what attenuated means. Oh, yeah. Right. I have a college
1: education.
0: The sugars have been worked out. The, the yeast have done their work, and uh, and it tends to be a drier sort of experience drinking-wise. Um, you know, cream ales tend to be pretty light in body and in color and in flavor. I mean, they, they tend to be very easy-drinking kind of things with maybe a kiss of sweetness on them. Just just a tiny hint.
1: My, Is that- my introduction to this style was the Shiner Homespun Cream Ale which is a beer that i like quite a bit underrated yeah, the, in my professional the, opinion
2: when the abvs tend to hover around five so right. according to carlos's scale it's close to water but so it's this, got a lot this of, one
1: is it, water this is 4.4 so
2: this is if it has enough flavor we will give it a pass
1: there's only one way to find out
2: let's get why, a, let's let's dive in shall we? Okay, okay, absolutely. And okay, so just a the, blown mo- cannonball. The, the movie
1: we're talking about is Palm Springs. This is a rom com uh, kind of magical realist type of film starring, uh, so Andy Samberg, Kristen Miladi, J.K. Simmons, and Peter Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, and, he's got a great role. And... One of the um, just most unforgivable crimes perpetrated on an actress in the 21st century is Kristen Malati being the mom in, uh, How I Met Your Mother and just getting oh. fucking shit on. They kill her off and they're like, fuck you. He like, he actually is in love. Anyway, I hate that show. Um, what the movie is about is about a guy who is stuck in a time loop reliving this wedding day every single day and at the very beginning of the film uh he accidentally against his own wishes traps this woman in this wretched life with him of reliving the same time loop over and over and over again and then trying to navigate that and you know, things ensue afterwards. This movie is fucking incredible. I love this fucking movie. And when we said we were going to do it, we were pairing it with Groundhog Day, and the second that I finished it, I was like, nope, not the right movie to be doing this. I mean, this movie really, even though it's, like, fun and is a romantic comedy and, you know, is has lots of jokes and is kind of light at times and whatever. I mean, it's grappling with some philosophical issues here. Mm
2: -hmm. It is literally
1: like dealing with humanity at its core and like the nature of existence and what it is to be alive and like what we are supposed to reach for in life to derive purpose and meaning. And it does it in such a fun, like easily digestible kind of narrative and I think that's all that I'll I mean that's a lot to say so far but I think that that's where I'll
2: end my introductory statements and concede <laughs> the David, floor David if you don't mind if I go uh, you're right Carlos we had sewn up the episode it was all pre-produced we're going to do Groundhog Day and totally makes sense because it's essentially the same film it's the Yeah, the lead character living the same day over and over and over again. If he commits suicide, doesn't matter. He wakes up and he lives the next day. If he does random acts of kindness, doesn't matter. He wakes up and does the the exact same day. And I believe that Groundhog Day deserves all of the praise that it gets. I mean, but now we're going to do some kind of 2020 version? Let me tell you why you're not watching Groundhog Day redo. Because we're not watching... If we're calling Andy Samberg the lead character, we're not watching him figure out what he's going through, because he has been going through this for we don't even know how long that was prior to the, prior to the film beginning.
1: That was my f- one of my favorite parts of this movie, and what I think it what I think makes it an exceptional film versus like it could have easily misstepped is I think the fact. That I mean, because his character is kind of odd at first in his like cavalierness towards everything and his showing up to a wedding and like shorts and like a Tommy Bahama shirt and shit. So, like, you're kind of like it's kind of off kilter for a second, but you so quickly realize that, like, okay,
2: he knows more than everybody else in the room does
1: exactly. Like, the fact yeah. that I, I think, I think if you hadn't figured it out yet, by the time um, Sarah the Kristen Miloti character is supposed to get up and give a speech and she doesn't realize that she was supposed to do that. And how quickly Andy Samberg's character comes to her rescue and gives this like amazing speech, despite it like going against everything that he seemingly believes from the first like five minutes of the film or whatever. At that mm-hmm. point it's like, okay, this guy's done this before we get that he's in it. We've, because Collectively the trailer, like, as gi- a, the
2: trailer gives it away.
1: Well, yeah, I didn't get this I didn't see the trailer. I didn't see anything about this movie actually before I watched it. But like collectively, as a culture, we've seen Groundhog Day. We get the idea of this time loop situation. So the fact that this movie treats its audience as intelligent and as like being able to grasp this idea from the outset, it gives them so much more room to develop this idea and to take the idea that you're living the same day over and over and over and over again what does that mean like how does that affect you as a person like what you know and kind of really take it to its logical conclusion without ever babying us well well, let me let me sew
2: this up david and then i'm eager to hear what you say because groundhog day is about bill murray's redemption and andy mcdowell is a prop in his redemption but this movie does something it turns it on its head he he brings her into his time loop, as you said, Carlos, and it's about a couple's redemption. And there's a larger allegory here, if you buy into it, and that is that we are discussing the mundane, not of a time loop, but of all life. It's not just being trapped in a time loop, It's the it's it's an allegory for every day can be mundane unless you find the right person to be in that or people to be in that with. David, what do you think? Yeah,
0: I mean, I I think, uh, you know, along the lines of what you were saying, uh, what both of you were saying, I think this is a very creative extension of this time loop concept in a film i mean groundhog day is really you know the, the, it keeps coming up appropriately it is the film that kind of put this concept on the map and i'm i'm it's sure the film
2: we will, it's a film we're eager to compare this to
0: right i mean and, it's and the easiest to
2: compare eager. it to yeah
0: it, it, you know this idea of a day being lived over and over and over again no matter what one does to try to stop that um that you, you know but But here, the spin we get is we come in with the primary character who's experiencing that, having experienced it for some ungodly, unknown amount of time already. So he's kind of, you know, well-versed in what's going on and all that, you know. So there's that. But then you have these other characters, J.K. Simmons' uh, Roy character and uh, Kristen Milioti's Sarah character who come into it with him and have different reactions to it. See, you're not just seeing one character grapple with this. You're seeing multiple characters in their different dispositions. I mean, when we start the film, Roy is still infuriated at the situation he's been put in <laughs> by getting trapped in this day, and he's taking it out on Sandberg's Niles character, you know, shooting him with, with arrows, you know, in the middle of the desert. Um, I'm trying to, to sort of get back at him for this and take revenge on that. Like, it's your fault that I'm trapped in this, before he finds some kind of acceptance in it and, and finds some kind of peace with this loop that he's living in and enjoying the things that he likes about it. Wait, so uh, what is this character's
1: name again? Roy. Okay.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, Sandberg, who, as we come to find out, has gone through various phases himself, but at this point is kind of just sort of flippantly whatever. I mean, he, did, you know, w- w- when we kind of join him. And then Kristen Milioti's Sarah as she, she kind of grapples with it. And I think, like you say, Joe, a big part of how the film resolves sort of points us towards, well, yes, there may be this mundanity to life, there may be this sort of repetition. And yet, if you can find the right person to repeat with, that that may be some sort of uplift. I, I like that. I mean, I think, I think that's fine. I, I'm, but I'm probably not as impressed with that resolution message. I think it's a fine one. Um, as because, because that's kind of what most romantic comedies resolve as it's like oh if we can be together then this this crazy thing called life is something we can deal with you know like that that doesn't seem quite as fun as going through all these different phases with them as the film unfolds and so for me i do think this film has some profound statements that it's making and some pretty funny and uh, and engaging ways, but the enjoyment that I got out of it is like with Groundhog Day. Those moments where, well, they're just going to drive into a semi right now. They're just going to do you know yeah. these things that would normally end a film for characters are just things that kind of reset the film for characters. And so I, it was fun yeah. to see that play out time and time again. And that he had a co-conspirator, somebody who also maintained an awareness of this repetition with Kristen, and then to some extent roy especially later in the film it, it was great I, I enjoyed it a lot i don't know that i i still think if you know and i know we don't like to compare and be like oh this is a better fit but if i'm gonna look at you know i still think groundhog day is the og but this one has a unique spin on it that i think is worthwhile fun and yes people should definitely watch this
1: um I will say maybe my only criticism is that Andy Samberg's character name is a little on the nose. Niles the Nihilist. Uh, But, okay, so here's... And look, look, this is going to fly in the face of everything I've ever yelled at Ari Aster about. (laughs) uh, Oh my God, I'm I'm all ears. But I think one of the greatest things about this movie is, like, honestly, the ending of it, I could give, like... I mean, I like, I like the ending of the movie because I'm like a fucking rom-com fiend and a romantic sack of shit, and I, about you. And I like, I love how good it feels as an audience member to see them like find this happiness and peace with one another and be able to kind of get over their own shit to like, you know, be the better, be the best versions of themselves that they can be for one another, but the ending doesn't even really matter as much to me what i really like about this movie is the questions that it asks along the way because even though it does answer them to a certain extent it doesn't really and i think that a lot of people that watch this movie because it's like oh it's fucking andy samberg that's the lonely island guy and this is like a lonely island production and like i've seen that girl from how i met your mother and oh yeah like this could be fun like you know it's on hulu i've got hulu already might as well fuck it they're gonna be asked like all of these crazy questions about life you know, and about things that they probably haven't thought of before unless they went through some kind of like, you know, intro to philosophy class or something like that in college. And my friend Delbert, uh, who I worked with or I worked with at Rebel Toad, I don't know if I worked there anymore, actually. Um, uh, he he posted a picture of this. It was like a day or two after I had watched it. And it was just a movie poster and a quote from it. And it's Niles saying, I don't know what it is. It could be life. It could be death. It might be a dream. I might be imagining you. You might be imagining me. It could be purgatory or a glitch in the simulation that we're both in. I don't know. So I decided a while ago to sort of give up and stop trying to make sense of things altogether because the only way to really live in this is to embrace the fact that nothing matters, to which Sarah says, well, then what's the point of living? Which, like, is a pretty straight-up, like, question of, like— I, don't, I, I feel like that's like a directness that a lot of people maybe haven't given this kind of line of thinking, like a lot of credence or a lot of effort into or whatever. And so then Niall says, Well, we kind of have no choice but to live. So I think your best bet is just to learn how to suffer existence. And Sarah says, So why can't we die? And Niall says, No, the loop just starts over. You might be, there might be some way to kill yourself, but I haven't figured it out. I've done a lot of suicides, so many. And I think, like, I think the thing that the loop, kind of it's a less morbid way of being able to kind of present this idea that like if you do come to terms with the fact that there is no inherent meaning to life there is no like foundational universal this is what our existence is about then of course the very next question is okay well like i could just opt out of this like if it's hard or like it sucks or like whatever then i'll just like dip you know but I think one of the things that this like loop allegory kind of gives that's, us in a that's less,
2: not an option.
1: It, it's not an option. And what that, how that allegory translates into our real lives is that like you know, there are people that rely on us. There are people that like our passing would be like, you know, traumatic in their lives and stuff. And so, even though like maybe we're struggling with this idea that like life isn't like doesn't inherently have a purpose or whatever, it's still Like not really an option for us to opt out of it, and so we just kind of have to keep going because of the effect that we'll have on other people. If you are that conscientious of a person, and so then what are you left to do at that point? Like you really have to sit and think about like like what am I doing? Like why am I doing any of it? You know, and those are like really serious questions to grapple with. And I think the thing that makes this movie as special as it is is that it has a very E- like the most easily digestible. This is the Neil deGrasse Tyson of existentialism. Like <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson's able to deliver science to people in a very fun, easily digestible way that maybe they wouldn't be getting it otherwise. And this movie does that for these more like bigger picture kind of like head scratchy armchair philosopher kind of questions.
2: The two things that I admire most about this movie, and I do have some problems with them, with this movie, and we'll get to them maybe, but uh, is because, and let me just roll the, Red carpet back. I mean the the, the curtain bag. Thank you. You could roll the red D- We carpet did out. we did mention that we drank those two Black is Beautiful's before we recorded this, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh number one, how much movie they cram into ninety minutes. This screenplay is tight. It's tight. And, and it's fun. They they tackle a lot in ninety minutes. The second thing I like about this movie the most is the chemistry of the leads and casting is critical in these kinds of rom-coms because we could right now play a fun game about shitty casting in rom-coms that ruined the Oh, ruin you mean Ben Affleck and stuff. Jennifer
1: Lopez in 2003's Gigli?
2: Well, yeah, but you went straight to the jugular of shit. I'm I talking about that movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> but who and and I knew I had to I when I saw that Kristen Milioti had been in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah, that's where I saw her before. Yeah. This woman has got a huge career in front of her. And Andy Samberg, and I'm a Lonely Island fan. I, lo- I love Hot Rod, but I also understand why Hot Rod made no money at the box office. Because it's a very specific audience that includes me. I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Love Brooklyn but Nine-Nine An- yeah. Andy Samberg does a great job here of bringing that manic that you see in his sketches and Hot Rod and in very small doses, which makes andy's that part of andy samberg more effective i'm thinking specifically off the top of my head of the niles and roy's drug-fueled night yeah, that yeah, takes yeah. that takes roy into the time loop cave yeah. everything's presented kind of naturally in the super natural element but that is this weirdo five minutes of just insane fun
1: yeah just like drug-fueled i also enjoy. i also
2: yeah i also enjoyed how sexuality plays into this movie this is a hard r movie and so with sexuality he can't complete sex with his girlfriend in that very first scene we don't know why but we we understand why later yeah that he's had sex with every single person at that wedding every single person in that city as he's just tried to undo the boredom of living in the same day over and over the affair that his girlfriend is having the affair or maybe the fling that's really funny (laughs) yeah oh yeah and it it comes back again and again and again in the movie they 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 play it really well he's just so cavalier uh, about it he's totally accepted it and it's just like but sarah is no angel she had sex with the groom the night before the wedding spoilers they just they put all uh, spoilers throughout (laughs) isn't this film really a banner for monogamy like a banner for finding the one to live your fullest life with that's an interesting
1: interpretation I mean because they're both regretful of their behavior
0: yeah yeah and- but I think it's more the duplicity and the and the other stuff that goes along with it I don't even know I mean I, I I get where you're coming from I, I do think they're and again that's that's where earlier when I s- said you know well I can appreciate the idea that, oh, if you find the right person, that's what makes life sort of worth living or that that's what can, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the, of all the, the potential messages of this film, maybe the most predictable and, dare I say, cliched. Uh, and, and I'm okay with it. You know, it's certainly, it's a path that I've chosen in this life. I'm partnered up. I, I'm happy w- with that decision. But I... But I think what I appreciate most about the film is probably more the, the questions that it leaves kind of unanswered and those openings and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I hear where you're coming from, Joe, and I don't think it at all decreases my enjoyment, but it's not what I walk away with thinking, okay, that was a great film experience.
1: I think that, I think to Joe's point, I think there is something there. I think you're getting at something, but I think really what the... I think what the message more so is, is that this kind of like conquest oriented, like vapid, shallow, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like seeking out of sex as a way to like fill a void within yourself is always going to like leave you hollow and kind of without being able to really connect with a person. As fun right. as those experiences
2: I, might be individually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For a time, but yeah. afterwards it's never going to leave you like fulfilled or it's never going to help you become the best person that you want to, that you like could be. Cause you're replacing like true, like emotional intimacy with like this physical thing that ultimately isn't really that big of a deal at the end of the day. It's kind of just like a more, yeah. more fun handshake really. Um,
2: a little more complicated Trevor's and a little and more
1: juicy, I mean, it is like at the end of the day, it's just like a physical thing that two people do with one another. Like, there's really nothing more to it if you don't want there to be. Like, you can strip it down to just its basic, transactional, like you know, kind of situation. And
2: there's a lot of, and a lot of transactions in this movie. Well, uh, yeah. Thousands apparently. I, I, ha- not, I had not a couple, all of them I, on screen. But. I had a lot. I had a couple of negatives, but we've talked on and on. I mean, I, I no, enjoyed no, this I'm, movie. I'm, I'm interested to hear what
1: your negatives are. I mean,
2: well, maybe because
1: maybe because this scratched my like absurdist, like Sisyphean, like existentialist kind of itch. That, like, I just can't bring myself to, like, find something wrong with it or something I didn't like about it. And I just, like, thoroughly, because it really just appeals to so many of the things that, like, I think about and that I believe and that I, like, Wish more people considered and were exposed to that. I was just like, "Fuck yes, let's go." Seeing Andy Samberg as kind of a dark character is fun and like really out of the ordinary for what he normally does. I liked that a lot. Um, but well, I am very I'll, interested I'll, to hear any negatives because well, I'll
2: be—I could be brief and it'll, it'll be a good segue. But David's been itching to talk for a little while. No, okay. Uh, I just think David number, was mad about this movie. Number one it it, do, it this does not look like a movie that you happen to be watching at home the budget limitations to me it looks like it's a made for tv r rated comedy hmm interesting i never th- the, the, then, the, the, the spe- there's a special effects element that i think is pretty lame but huh. again it it doesn't take away from the narrative at all
1: man you have some really I rigid do. special effects like and then, expe- like and criteria and then,
2: and then number two, and this is what makes it a segue: the rules of the film. I find that an earthquake that reveals a time, a, to, a cosmic time loop cave, is stupid. But I understand <laughs> that they needed. I understand that they needed a device to make yeah, this yeah, all yeah. happen, and that's the device they came up with. Uh. And I'll. And if you all don't mind pausing this conversation, I intend on talking about rules a lot in the second half of the episode. So maybe huh. we can bring it all together. Uh, all right, well, that's you a know shame. I love
0: you know I love rules. Oh my gosh, David, I lives love the rules, Diabol- almost, rules almost as much as yep. I love this dessert series, strawberry shortcake, <laughs> desert from series, Brank labs, desert series, David. Desert, sorry. Yes, it's as dry. No, it isn't dry. It's it's actually it's it's got a nice balance of flavors there. I'm I'm impressed. When I saw the strawberry puree, I thought we were going to be in like some kind of uh, cream ale smoothie mode, but it's not oh, yeah. that. It's it's still pretty light. Um, very easy to drink. I've been throwing this back without any problem at all. Very uh, <laughs> very impressed. What do you guys think?
2: This beer is enjoyable AF.
1: I agree. I, it's a very good beer. Um, I
2: I forgive that four-point ABV. Oh,
1: for sure. And it's almost needed at this point I was in, in, say, the, in the evening. Uh, I think that, I mean, there is like an underlying kind of like sweetness to it that isn't, Coming specifically from any of the adjuncts, it just kind of is more reminiscent to me of just the cream ale style in general, which I like, but then obviously all of those extra things, the strawberry puree, the vanilla, the cinnamon, it's just punching that already kind of, you know, naturally sweet, sweet aspect of the style in general. And it's just kind of just taking it that next step, uh, to make it dessert and, yeah, David, you were absolutely right. Throwing it back, I could. I could kill a sixer of this probably oh yeah <laughs> no i mean if this was
0: something that was easy to get our hands on i i could i would love having this in the fridge all the time and, yeah. it, had, and, I, and it would knock people socks off if i handed them cans for sure had it
2: been some kind had it been some kind of smoothie version of a cream ale that would have hit you over the head this thing is so subtly delicious yeah that's what i enjoy about it so much the subtlety of it all for they've sure. done a fantastic job good job kentucky Good job, Braxton Labs. I'm excited to, to try some more of
0: their offerings in the future. Um, but, you know, Joe has already primed us. We're going to be talking about another high-concept movie, but not Groundhog Day. We, we've, we've pivoted from Groundhog Day, um, but, but one that definitely has a concept and is a romantic comedy of sorts, When We Come Back.
2: And we're back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and we are going to be talking about another high-concept movie. um, But before we do that, we're going to open a beer that gives me a chance, an opportunity to uh, correct a misstatement that I made on our mini-episode about Black is Beautiful. Because on that, I was saying that there was really no good precedent for this kind of cooperative effort being launched uh, by the craft beer community. But in fact, altogether... The beer that we're going to be drinking uh, from, in this case, uh, the brewery behind it is uh, Elder Pine uh, Brewing and Blending Company from Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, This is their entry in a series that was a very similarly premised sort of beer, although not so much about social justice as it was trying to uh collaborations for collaboration um for people in the hospitality industry who were being hit hard by the coronavirus uh pandemic and what it was doing to those industries. right exactly um but you know this was a few months ago the idea was long and apparently this was organized by other half brewing we're out of new york um Great but brewery. here Yeah. Breweries were able to kind of make their own entries. And this one has over 800 breweries participating. I think 855 is what's currently on the website as of when we're recording this. And I I assume there may be others still joining in. But it is a global thing. Um, All 50 states have breweries participating. 53 countries. It is an India pale now. Yeah, Dang. it is an India Pale Ale, um, IPA for sure. So short, far, so good. We love to drink, and so we're going to get this cracked and open, and we're going to we're going to try this offering from Maryland in this collaboration series called All Together, that is meant to support hospitality professionals.
2: All right, I, Port, mine's, hey. Pour it slow, it pours it pours very heavy oh, it's yeah. got a head, huh? yeah,
1: yeah, mine came in kind of hot, so while I'm waiting for that to settle down a little bit, um, I'll get us into the next movie because i uh we all have certain veto powers on this show, do we that if we think an episode needs to be slightly remixed. We can exercise said veto powers. And as soon as I finished Palm Springs, I was like, groundhog day is not the right movie to do with this. And I immediately pitched another idea, which thankfully you both accepted my change to the episode. And this is a movie that I just, and I think it's the way that a lot of people have probably seen it. Um, just randomly stumbled upon it. Um, on
2: netflix Netflix, one day um yeah it's it's streaming it's streaming on netflix right now you can go watch this it has been there for as long
1: as i can remember uh but this is a 2014 film directed by charlie mcdowell written by justin ladder later um and it stars it's really only got there's three people in this cast in this film basically it is mark duplass who you know from the League, Mumblecore fame, uh, Puffy Chair, and then yes, the League, uh, and then Elizabeth Moss, Scientologist extraordinaire, kind of iffy person in general. Is but she I mean, still in it? I think so. Uh, I could be wrong, but
2: yeah, I, hey, I'll, I'll break. I'll break in to loved say. Loved her in Invisible Man. She
1: was great in Invisible Man. I, I was gonna I say s- I very seldom care for her.
2: <laughs> ep- episode can, eighty, the Invisible. If there's one thing that's clear, she can carry a feature film. Oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> But, okay. episode 80 hold on call us episode 80 invisible man our last theater experience oh, that's right
1: that's true it was Fuck pre-covid
2: me. my brother anyway so yeah that's fucked up <laughs> and, the th- and, and the third character? Ted Danson, baby. Mr. Sam Malone himself. Uh, he plays I, their therapist. I was therapist. doing a little research. I was the, the principal photography on this movie was 15 days and took place at Ted Danson and Mary Steenbergen's house.
0: That's their, their house that their in the house? film? That makes sense. Yeah. And you did, you did note that she was the uh, the mother character on his voicemail, right? Yeah. That I did yet. not
1: catch yeah. that. No, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Carlos, us, call us, I interrupted. Apologies. No, no, it's okay. Um, so this, this
2: please, this movie please is, continue <laughs>
1: <laughs> this movie is about uh, a couple who are going through some marital issues uh, Mark Duplass' character <laughs> Ethan has um, has uh, had some kind of affair or at least cheated whether it was a one time incident or not you know, we're not sure but he has been unfaithful in some degree and his wife, Elizabeth Moss, um, what is her character's name? Sophie. Sophie. Is, uh, you know, trying to work through it with him and, you know, trying to keep the marriage alive and stuff. But they're obviously having problems with that. Um, you know, they're different people than when they met, yada, 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 whatever. And Ted Danson is their therapist who says, oh, go out to this this house, go on this vacation for a weekend, this, this kind of retreat. And just, you know... Uh, just the two of you just the two of you i've sent a lot of couples there it helps them out a great deal and the idea from ethan and sophie's perspective is yeah we're going to go out there we're just going to focus on each other for the weekend just try to work through some stuff just get back to like just you and me me and you the foundation of our relationship but as soon as they get there, shit is kind of
2: wacky. And, so- and, 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 and Carlos, before you say another word, I'm going to say something I haven't said in 101, 102 episodes, and that is that this film—we are a spoiler podcast—it just what it is. Yeah. But this film is best enjoyed knowing nothing about it, and if you have not
1: 100% agreed,
2: if you have not seen this movie, turn us off right now. Then go watch it. And then come back.
1: Yes. Like I said, I just stumbled upon it on Netflix at some point in the last six years. Watched it. Had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't think that it was going to be what it was. But yeah, so they get there and like, yes, this is a very spoiler filled episode. They find out immediately that shit is kind of weird and that there is a guest house where if they go in there, they are talking to their significant other, their spouse, but it's not actually the person that they came to the the house with it's like this like another the, version of them. another version of them and like in some cases like the best version of them in other cases just like a different version of them and and then it's this and so the reason that i went or that as soon as i finished palm springs i went my mind went here was because this is a film that incorporates this magical realism kind of element to it. But in order to ask more like foundational questions about like, what is it that we want out of a partner? Like, what is it that is going to make us happy in relationships? Like, is it, you know, being with someone that's complex and like has their own needs and that might not mesh with yours and being able to work through it and trying to figure out like Mm -hmm. what's best about each other and how you can make each other better. Or is it just about like, finding somebody that you can mesh with in an easy way that isn't too difficult. You're not going to butt heads too much. And it's just going to be kind of, kind of easy, you know, and uh, which one, you know, which one do you prefer? Like what is, you know, what is it that, what is it that we're looking for? I mean, really the question of this movie is what are we looking for out of a romantic partner, out of a life partner?
2: And it, it, call, asks it in a very interesting way. I think and uh, but carlos i took it as not it's just an alternative version of your partner when you walk into the guest house and encounter your partner the way that they look the way that they are different hairstyles maybe they wear glasses maybe they don't depending on your preference yeah. it's about it's more about when you go to the guest house you get to the ver- you get the version of your partner that you believe that you desire that's what I took away from it. Mm-hmm.
1: But but I I think I mean I think that's what like that's where those questions come from is it's like you're getting the person you desire is that like is that the best situation for is that like really cuz like we could all sit here, you know, if we weren't all very happily married or in committed relationships and if we were just a bunch of single dudes hanging around, we could like uh, postulate, like, what is the perfect partner for us? Like, what are the qualities that we think are the best for us? And Mm -hmm. a lot of times, the things that we might come up with in our heads or just, like, you know, pull out of thin air wouldn't actually be what we needed or what was going to make us better people or what was going to make us, like, truly happy, like, in a long-term situation. Because getting what Mm -hmm. you want isn't always the road to happiness yeah. you know what i mean and so i think, I think that I think, there's a lot I, of these questions that are you're right coming here.
0: from though i i think carlos you're you're doing some extrapolating from what the film actually offers well to I, get i've to seen it a bunch walk. of times yeah so. oh well that's good um and but i think those questions are there i think it's it you know it it becomes a bit more streamlined in the film just in the sense that it's fairly clear well I mean the Mark Duplass character, um, e- e, uh, which one? He's where Ethan. most
1: of these questions come from. I feel because Pri- the
0: the primary Ethan, the first Ethan, the real Ethan, yeah. um, the OG he's Ethan. the one who's he's the one who's most troubled by the whole thing, yeah. right? I mean because pretty quickly, Sophie, when she meets the Ethan doppelganger, the new Ethan, Ethan who, who two, seems, if you will, who seems to yield more to her needs and and fits more the mode of what she would envision as the better partner. Um, she's totally taken by it very quickly and, and seems to, you know, very readily move towards wanting to spend more time with that character and, and ultimately does. I mean, right? Again, we're a spoiler podcast. Like, yeah. that's the, the big twist at the end here is that she chooses to stay back with the Ethan 2 and let. Uh, Sophie to go away with Ethan one
1: to to live their lives together where where she you know sub-
2: Ethan one is, he-
1: is none the wiser though until the very until period. the very end
0: and then he seems to accept it you know what I mean
1: like well, what's begrudging. he gonna do at that point yeah right I mean well, he's gonna I mean. eat bacon yeah <laughs> right
0: right backing up a little bit. I did like this film. I, re- you know, it's funny because this is one of those films that I feel like was on my recommended for you on Netflix since 2014. Did and I? I- I can remember seeing that thumbnail of yep. the, you know, the poster of the uh, of Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass from like, you know, uh, chest level up coming out of the water. There, so, you know, yeah. so it was a very familiar. When you suggested this, I'm like, oh, well, now it's a good excuse to watch this movie that Netflix algorithm has told me for years I should have been watching. So I I got into that along
2: with it was, Tiger King.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that one I went to immediately. Somehow I didn't put that off. Um, but this one. I'm glad I got around to it. I'm glad that glad that you pushed us into it. I, I like these films, I think more so even than uh, than Palm Springs. It's really impressive what they do here with such. It, it must have been a micro budget. I mean, right. Oh, they tiny, show, you said yeah. they shot this at Mary Steenburgen and Ted Danson's house. Um, there's 15 really 15 days, 15 yeah. day shoot. There's really one location, two primary actors um, who who are there for for the duration of it. Um, I imagine a very small crew, very limited effects. I mean, you have these two actors playing two different versions of themselves, but very few scenes that really force them to be in the same frame together. Uh, It was just it was very smart, small scale, high concept filmmaking that was fun to watch. Now. I know Joe's already kind of hinted at the rules thing, and I don't get as hung up on it as, as you two do. We've already established that. But there, there was some funniness in there. And honestly, I think it was partly intended. So I'm not, I don't count this as a knock against the film about how these characters are so quick to kind of slide into, oh, this is a thing that's happening. Yeah, there's just these two doppelganger figures like ourselves, so let's just go do this retreat for the rest of the weekend, even though we've kind of recognized that there's some kind of profoundly Twilight Zone strangeness going on here. We're just going to go with it. You know, I think if you can get over that, that's fine. But I think they even kind of played a little bit for – the absurdity of it and and that when they're like checking each other on the like oh were you there and it, it, i don't know it, th- there was some of that that it, i think mark duplass and uh elizabeth moss are good enough actors that they were able to pull it off in a way that i could go with but i could have seen that crumble so easily with with other less talented folk
1: yeah i think I mean, there are definitely... Look, I mean, the rules rules do matter to me, I would say. And I Mm -hmm. think that my history on this podcast has shown that if you establish a set of rules in a film, then you must follow them Mm -hmm. at that point. You have created a world. Now you must exist within the world that you created. I think one thing that doesn't bother me about this movie as far as rules are concerned is one it never really clearly establishes anything and so because it doesn't clearly establish like this is what's happening this are, these are the this is the world we've created this is how it works these are the mechanics of it so it never violates that in any way and so that doesn't bring me I mean we are with those characters throughout the film trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and just like the characters at the end of the film we still don't really understand what happened you know and i think that because not only are we not intended to understand the exact minutia of how it all worked and who these people are and where they came from and how they were created but the characters aren't supposed to understand it either i think that's what makes it work yeah. Uh-huh. Well Ethan does I mean there is that point later in the film where Ethan finds all those
0: files on the computer and seems to come to some realization that these are the past couples are somehow turned into the doppelgangers that isn't quite explained how that process happens but it's not even that, this
1: I feel I didn't was it the past couples that get turned into the That's moons? how I
0: took it that that, that that the way that the system was supposed to work was that therapist ted danson sends the couple to the retreat there is a prior couple already there who he has groomed to take over for the for the past couple and then they emerge as the new couple and the
1: you know i know there was some element of like it's your turn to stay here and we're supposed to escape kind of thing yeah yeah but I guess, I guess, be, I guess, I never felt like there was a clear statement about the genesis of the doppelgangers. It's, it's not and so, clear, and so like I never really got that hung up on it. I was like, what? Again, just like with Palm Springs, like the ending isn't as important as the questions that are being asked, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: which in this case is a little different because the ending does continue to still ask some questions, like you know, Mark Duplass is now clearly with the doppelganger version of his wife what do you do like how do you feel you know like is there anything you can do but just accept this new reality that you have been confronted yeah. with like can you really go back and try to get your you know original life well, back I guess, and i, and
0: I think it does and it, and it gets to this interesting you know idea that i think all of us and all our relationships romantic and otherwise have those elements that like there are things with these people that we we definitely appreciate enjoy and connect with. And there are things we'd like to see change about people. And what if you are put in a situation where you actually see those things change, would you take that different version of that person even if it wasn't the actual person anymore? If it like turned into something else and it was more you know, bending to your will, would that be something that you would want? And I, and I think that it—it it is a fascinating kind of question to ask, because it gets to, you know, what is it that we really expect out of one another in relationships? And what is it that we really want to see? And even if we think we want something, is that really what we want? You know, getting back to what, what you were saying, Carlos, do we want somebody who just bends to our will? Or is it better for us to have somebody who challenges us, and actually presents unique and different Perspectives that would, you know, again, maybe not fit what we want,
2: but ultimately be what we need. I want to let's break off what I said earlier about the rules. Mm-hmm would you watch a twilight zone episode you understand that you are watching something different than you should be watching if you're watching an episode of friends there's a different
0: oh hey let me stop you there you just shouldn't watch friends you should watch the twilight zone but go on
1: i agree with
2: that fuck friends (laughs) <laughs> fuck friends now you're back in palm springs <laughs> <laughs> title of the episode fuck
1: friends That's good. That's good. um
2: That's good. i would suggest that the rules are laid out here so well and that is that we're going into a twilight zone episode mm-hmm. and once you think about it that way and can just settle into that i watched this with my fiance. And we had a lot of fun pushing pause and talking about the rules. Now, okay, so who's who? Okay, She's going in, and now she's going to be different, but the real her, da, 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 like, we enjoyed like all of that portion yeah. of it. But what this movie does really... Did y'all watch it with a significant other, or did yes. y'all watch it solo? I watched it with my wife.
0: I didn't. I like to shield Aaron from these things that would get her to think too deeply about our relates. I don't blame I don't, bl- <laughs> I don't I don't I don't blame
2: you David and I can't speak for Carlos but this movie is a relationship exploration <laughs> in a way that I haven't seen in a really long time and in fact in a way that I can't remember like to me the premise is perfect what we have cuz all three of us are in committed relationships as opposed to what we want and what we can change about our partner and what is inappropriate to ask to be changed, and then what we are and what our partner might want compared to what we are. Mm-hmm. And so the question that I have, the and back to, back to the rules real quick, thank God they didn't do a thing where there was an underground lab where people were being face-offed. Oh yeah! If only. Like or, I, we don't us. need we don't need any of that. What is happening here is just a supernatural, a supernatural. Give me right. some doves, priest fits. people sleeping some of this, with spouses, like weird yeah, right. face touching that happens. Yeah, we we talked about that a couple of episodes. Though, Carlos, though there is go, the, there where is where the
0: moment where they they get upset with each other for like,
2: oh, you were actually sleeping with me when yeah. you were pretending to be yourself. I mean, that's, he okay. sneaks into the house and stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay, David, you lead me right into it.
1: Yeah,
2: are we watching the screenwriter's analysis of gender stereotypes in a heterosexual relationship? Or are we watching the screenwriter just giving these two characters these two things? Because you'll remember that she's willing to go along with this experiment in a way that he is not. He's making rules to dictate how much time they can spend together. He's getting jealous because he's learning that she's more interested in the doppelganger of himself than himself. The man can't go along with the exercise the yeah, way that that's a- the, the female can are we talking about general gender stereotypes or archetypes or are we talking about just these two characters okay. and when you start to analyze it at that level I'm not, I'm not, David, I mean, Carlos, thank you so much for recommending this movie. Because like David, it had been on my list for years and years and years. And I am so glad, I did not like this movie. I loved this movie. Interesting.
1: You know, that's actually a very good question that I hadn't like, I hadn't really thought about it in that, like, necessarily through that lens before. But like, I mean, really what you have in Ethan 1 is like this very like kind of standard, stereotypical kind of territorial male partner who in his attempt to try to define certain rules of their relationship and what other male figures in her life may or may not give her or mean to her only drives her further into the Ethan Two's you know arms I guess Uh, even drives her more to being emotionally like connected and invested in Ethan Two rather than maybe if he was a little more open and more like, I know, like, what are... I mean, and granted, it's tough to say, you know, it, it's tough to kind of really evaluate it through this perspective because they are at a point of crisis in their relationship, so they don't have this, like, really sturdy foundation to stand on. Um, but there, I, I don't know, there is something there that you're talking about. there 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 is something about the you know kind of male territorial jealousy in an attempt to keep a partner closer and more i don't know connect or like more invested in themselves only driving them further away um i think the i think end of, that's at definitely the end happening the,
2: there at the end of the day he's right there is something sinister afoot
1: so I mean, do for we sure, forgive for sure. him
2: do we forgive him his paranoia or his desire to get to the bottom of things? Right.
1: Yeah. Or well, I mean,
2: it's it's, it's- tough because he's the one
0: who's being disingenuous about the apology that needs to happen yes through you know from the beginning of the film so it's like it it starts off with the foundation of he's really the one who's in the wrong at least as i see the film you know in its early stages. Yeah, and so then whatever he does after that and the fact that what wins her over really to the ethan too is the fact that he's able to deliver an authentic kind of not just apology but also like kind of a let's come to you know like let's come to a new understanding and let's be you know that he's able to do that successfully makes a difference um you know it's kind of a trade-off it's like you know he starts off on the wrong foot and then she ends up on the wrong foot but it's really only because it's premised on him being right
1: (laughs) like so so it's a tough i you know there's a lot bounds. to chew on
2: here there really is. is a lot of no, yeah. chew on in this movie
1: which like and it, you know just like with palm springs the reason that like i like this movie as much as i do is not necessarily because of where it takes you but because all of the questions that it poses along the way and right. i think like i think something for me that has made me even more interested in it as i have gotten older um is that You know, like what I said earlier, if we were a bunch of just like single dudes, like hanging out, like, oh, what do we want out of a partner? Like, what could we imagine that we want out of a partner? Like, I know it. My wife knows it. My wife is not necessarily the partner that I might have imagined or like idealized in my head or whatever. We are like two totally different people. Like everything I do is filtered through a logical lens. Everything she does is filtered through an emotional lens. And we totally approach and process things as differently as we possibly could as human beings, as
2: presented in this film, I would suggest.
1: Yeah, but but the but the thing about it, and and I and I think the thing of like, if I really like sat and thought and was like, okay, if I could change that about my partner, if I could make it so that my wife Kylie was as logical as I was about things, and so that we immediately approached everything in kind of the same way and arrived. Your
2: balance and, would be off.
1: Yeah, and it wouldn't be, like. A, it wouldn't be interesting. B, it wouldn't be fulfilling. And C, I would just be allowed to sink into like my habits and like tendencies in a way that might not necessarily be great for me as a person. And but so, D, you would have bacon for breakfast. But I would have bacon for breakfast instead of that fucking turkey bacon that she always. Puts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She doesn't buy turkey bacon. She buys real bacon. Uh, but but You're it's but it's that bacon, I it's that balance it. that we bring to each other's lives where. Is like you know she wouldn't be getting this really kind of like rational just like cold matter of facts perspective that i bring and i wouldn't be getting this like, okay but like you know i don't know there's more going on here than just like being logical and stuff and so like we bring each other to a center of those two things that is healthier for the both of us and if you put yourself in the situation like sophie and ethan where you can Opt out of that balance, or opt out of doing the thing that may be slightly more difficult but is ultimately more fulfilling. Do you take that out just because it's slightly well, easier? And you know? here, you know, here even though the film
0: doesn't follow it through this way necessarily, but you know, it kind of brings us back to who do we want to surround ourselves with—a bunch of yes people who yes. agree exactly with our position, whatever it is, or do we want to have people who challenge us and force us to think differently and? Maybe even to talk things out and reason them out, and and to force yourself That you know that there is a value there in having dissenting opinions around you, and that that it sort of keeps you in a different place where you know our impulse is we don't want that friction you know it's not something that most of us want to court and yet i think we can realize when we step back that oh there is value there now the film doesn't give us that we're we're kind of left to intuit that but to he, some
1: extent but here's the thing and i I feel like this has come up a couple of times with both films i think the film clearly has given us that because we're talking about it whether it gives it to well, us it opens, in very plain the conversation and I, yes you know whether it directly feeds it to us is one thing but i think that i think that the thing that these two makes these two separate films that we've done each both so great is that there is so much for us to talk about that stems from watching yeah. these films that aren't necessarily just about the film and yeah. those are the k- kinds of movies that are the best movies that pose these questions that bring you into these kinds of conversations and it's one of you know it's one of the reasons why I love like film in general and like some of the more maybe highbrow cinema, even though these kind of tread in between just like popcorn fare and like more arty stuff. Um, and obviously film can give us a lot of things. Like last episode, we talked about some of the most bananas, just like insane fucking Coke filled, just insanity as (laughs) far as like popcorn films and shit can go. like, uh, Although we did have a lot to say about several of those, but like, you guys know I love the Fast and Furious movies. That's because I can smooth brain. But one of the things that i like about film so much in the spectrum of it is that you can smooth brain with things like that but then you can also really get into these very deep conversations that films can spark and i think that these two movies do that so well and Mm -hmm. regardless of maybe where they falter in the rules or maybe they flub the ending a little bit it's those things about it like the conversation stimulus that these movies create that makes me love them so much and makes me at least with the one I love, I've gone back and watched that at least half a dozen times, and I'm I wow. know, I'm for sh- I'm positive I'll go back to Palm Springs at least sure. the same amount of times because it kind of gets you gets your mind going in that way.
2: There's a, there's a lot to this film, even if the third act to me falls apart a little bit. I forgive it. I like this movie a lot.
1: It definitely doesn't fall apart as much as an Ari Aster film does. That I'll say.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> well, but yeah, we well, you 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 still I, have
2: a uh, lot of growing up to do. We
0: don't want to get too far off in the weeds here. I think we've all expressed that we enjoy this film, yep. and all of us together have have come to an agreement that this is one that everybody needs to watch. But all together as a beer campaign, nice, hey. well done. Is this something that we want? support
2: Uh, we have got to strike the following words from our vocabulary on this show this is not a fruity ipa this is not a big frills ipa but it's a fantastic just general ipa because this one fits that bill and we're saying it too often this this beer is above average (laughs) this beer is above average in a good straightforward back to basics recipe ipa
1: i would say it's slightly i wouldn't it's not like really above average, but it it is slightly above average. It's a it's a it's a good beer. Uh, I I think I, I'm I'm more on the Joe end of the
0: scale on this one, where I think this is a very solid IPA that I am totally comfortable saying. If you have any brewery that's done a version of this near you, you should pick this up. And I wish that I had gotten my hands on more. This is the only one. This is the first one I've had. I didn't, probably I didn't get any of them. I mean, none of our local ones did it. I know some in Houston and some, Austin did. Yeah, definitely but I didn't some get my in Houston hands did. On,
1: you
0: know, yeah. So, I mean, it's exciting, and I was hoping maybe one of our local breweries here would jump on it, but nobody did.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know... It didn't get the press of Black is Beautiful. Well, it didn't. And but it didn't like, have,
1: it,
0: Yeah, it has a cause,
1: but it's not quite as easy a, to look, sort of...
2: Look, I'll say it.
1: It's not as important of a cause. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't come at me, tweet at me, fucking at me, whatever. I I do very much feel for hospitality workers as a person who was a bartender before the pandemic hit. Um, I did bartend on a I guess weekly basis before that, um, so I very much sympathize and I understand how difficult it is for working class folks that live off of tips and things like that, and. It's fucking hard-ass times, you know? And I. so I think this is important to try to alleviate some of that stress. Um, I mean, you know, this happened. Fucking Guy Fieri raised a shit ton of money for service industry people. Like, there was definitely a lot going on early COVID to try to help that. But the, you know, three or four months of tough times for industry workers pales in comparison to the three or 400 years sure. that black folks have faced the trouble that they have and the hardships that they've had and the oppression that they've had to endure in America. And so it does make a lot of sense why black is beautiful has gotten more attention than the altogether campaign. Sure. Despite the sure. fact that this is a very solid beer and it is yeah. also a very worthy cause.
0: Yeah. No, so I mean but but I'm not you know, again, it as Joe said, this is not like a fancy IPA. This isn't something where we're adding no, I don't know if breweries had the options to add adjuncts or anything like that. I, I, it, do, I, don't I, I remember I'm not hearing, as up on this. Hearing. I feel like it was a little more straightforward this one where they were just supposed to execute a really good IPA recipe that yeah. was out there. But um but I, I think this is good and I'd be excited to try another version if I can get my hands on it at some point, although IPAs don't sit on the shelf very well so you know it would have to be soon
1: yeah and not the way a stout does but you know I gotta say I think that this is at least in recent memory this has been one of the best movie (laughs) beer all around quality episodes that we've done in a while since 100 at least at least since 100 (laughs) Uh, I wish I remembered more about that episode than I do (laughs) <laughs> uh, but have you seen any of these movies? Uh, I think that I will say this right now, if you are not a Hulu subscriber or haven't ever been or whatever, cash in your seven day trial, make a new email address to cash in your seven day trial. Cause you really <laughs> should see Palm Springs, you know, work around the system, take advantage of it however you can so that you can get your eyeballs on this film because you really should see it. And then I feel like the majority of people at this point have Netflix. You can watch the one I love. It's attainable. Um, but have you seen either of these films? Have you had anything from Braxton labs or, um, fuck, I'll cut it out. Uh, elder pine brewing. Um, have you had these specific beers? Have you seen the films? Uh, you can tell us what you think, uh, what you like, what you don't like, all that kind of stuff. You can find us on Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, Facebook.com slash beer movie TX Beer movie podcast.com is our home base. You can find a link to listen to this episode and all 100 previous episodes. Ooh. That's right. We are in triple digits Now, uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please rate review and subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future and all of that jazz i have submitted our podcast to be on stitcher uh i'm a stitcher user myself it hasn't shown up yet hopefully that happens sometime soon uh, i don't know why it hasn't shown up i'll get to the bottom come of on there. stitcher i know i uh big stitcher fan i've migrated all of my podcast listening over there recently wow. um but that's neither here nor there i'll probably cut it out because <laughs> they're not paying me um uh, but yeah you can find us on spotify and all that kind of stuff Anywhere you listen to podcasts for the most part, check us out. Um, but this has been another great episode of Beer in a movie. You think we'll get through a hundred more of these?
2: Oh, yeah. Easy. I hope so I hope so. It's a weekly highlight for me, and I know at least, uh, you know, the thousands of people that are listening. The millions of listeners that we have all across the world. Did we have we broken a million yet? I knew we were close. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, oh man. Just wait till that <laughs> Casper sponsorship comes in. Squarespace.com slash beer in a movie. That's right. All right. Well, until next time. We're a mess, and I love that about us.